Welcome to Open Hands, a podcast exploring spirituality, mental health, and this space in between. I'm your host and fellow wanderer, Sarah Nickerson. This week, Jason Fulford reflects on the power of storytelling within the social justice movement. From honoring his cousin Eric Garner's life to fighting for Keith Lamar, who is currently on death row for crimes he did not commit, Jason shares how things like running, meditating, and openly speaking about mental health have allowed him to change his own narrative and create meaningful community. Thanks for being here. Well, Jason, welcome to Open Hands. I am super excited to have you on here today. I thank you so much for agreeing to come and talk. Um, We know each other through our good friend Devin and the storytelling community. So uh, I'm excited to hear what it is you want to talk about today. So if you want to share a little bit about yourself and then um, what you'd like to talk about, that would be great. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor and a pleasure to be you know, having this conversation with you and being part of what you're doing, because I know you support uh, what I've been up to, uh, especially yeah. with my recent work with Keith Lamar. Yeah, and I'm glad Keith. that we've been able to make a connection through that, because Keith is a very special person to me. And he was yes. actually very excited the last time I spoke to him for getting your email. Um, oh, I'm so yeah. glad. Yeah. I, I mean, his book was amazing. For those of you who don't know, Keith uh, Lamar is a, he's currently on death row for crimes he didn't commit and he's this amazing light just like this creative soul and uh, encourager to many people yeah and um, we have another jazz concert coming up uh, next Sunday um, yeah. yeah so I'm excited about that and then I'm going to be doing a run for him November 15th which is on a Sunday because we were going to do it November 16th which uh, would be a significant date for Keith. Um, But we want to make sure that we get a good turnout. So we're going to do it November 15th. And, you know, just to give you a little bit more about myself, I'm an educator and that's actually how I met Devin. Um, And that's how we started Unrailing Storytelling, which has actually been one of the biggest, um, like, shifts in my life because it's been able to help me open up a lot more. And it's funny because the first story I've actually shared was featured in, in the New Yorker magazine. Yeah. And uh, I spoke about my cousin, Eric Garner, and it was around the time that the George Floyd situation had happened. And uh, they wanted to speak on like what the family should be, you know, kind of looking f- for things to come. And I was able to speak on also, you know, more of like who Eric was as a person, because I feel like one thing that our media doesn't do a great job of is highlighting, you know, like the humanity in these people. And that's actually one of the things that has intrigued me so much about Keith is because I think that, you know, we, we live our lives out here and we forget sometimes how some people are railroaded. And, you know, really kind of don't get to dictate how their life is going to turn out because we have a corrupt system, Yes, you know, and 
you know, it's just, I wanted to make sure that I was, you know, in a position where pretty much like I can help spread awareness to some of these things that are going on in our society. And I think it goes hand in hand because, you know, with my cousin's situation, it was police brutality and police using excessive force. And in Keith's situation, it's pretty much him being on the inside, you know, and dealing with the corruption that goes on in the inside. So it's just really kind of me trying to become a part of the solution, you know, and using my voice as a tool and using my mind. Um, And one thing that I've been doing for my mental health lately is meditating a lot more, you know, and that's one thing that Keith has really brought into my life because, Mm. you know, he says all the time to me, he's like, you know, we have to slow things down sometimes. Yes, yes. (laughs) And I think that, you know, one thing I know about myself is that I get overwhelmed because I'm thinking about too much, you know? Oh, yeah, me too. And uh, and then one thing turns into, like, 10 things before I know it, right. you know? And, <laughs> and, um, and then that becomes a lot of stress that I'm carrying, yeah, you know? For sure. And uh, one thing that really has connected Devin and, and myself is that, you know, he's also had someone in his family that he's very close with yeah. that was a victim of police brutality. Yeah. And he's recently been sharing that story. And I'm just glad that we've both been able to be very vulnerable yes. and, yeah. you know, like share our stories with the world and people that want to listen. Because I also feel the thing that I'm learning the most about storytelling is there's so much power in listening. And mm. I think that the more we listen, the more that we'll understand that we're connected to each other. Um, yeah. And I know you know this because we speak often. So I I went to the moth that Devin yeah. recently performed at. And that was my first time like going to one, right. you know. And it was such an amazing feeling. And the thing that I left with was... It was five storytellers and all five stories in some way or another, it resonated with me, you know, and I found something within that story that like made a connection with my personal life, which, you know, when, when the storytellers got up on the stage, I feel like, you know, sometimes we're programmed to just judge a book by its cover, you know, unfortunately. And I think that that's another thing that also gets us caught up, especially when we talk about race and where we're at in our world with race issues that, you know, sometimes if we just listen to each other's stories, we have so much more in common than, you know, than people want to like promote, you know? So I just am very interested in in going deeper in the storytelling world and doing more work with it because also when we did our show uh who runs the world when i invited a lot of my running friends um it was a great show thank you so much but you know chris who was our host like he mentioned 
that he's done a lot of these shows and that was the first time it was an all black cast. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that was just special to me because, you know, I, I, I want us to get to a place where, you know, everyone is represented through storytelling. Absolutely. You know, because I think that perspective is so important. And the more we understand each other's perspective and where we're coming from, I think that uh, it'll just be a better place for all of us. And also the power in sharing a story is that you get to release some of the things that, you know, have been kind of just living inside of us. And I think that that's what it's been to me. It's been so liberating because I've not only been able to share my stories, but it's been so therapeutic. And, you know, I'm a big mental health advocate. And one thing I do know is that, especially like within the community that I grew up in, like it's one, it's something that we kind of shy away from, you know. And me being an educator, I see, you know, how closed in some kids can get so young. And I was one of those kids, you know, yeah. that didn't want to share much. And I would always say, like, yeah, I'm okay. Um, everything's fine, you know, and give those kind of answers. Yeah. And I feel like we're, you know, we need to get to a place where we're able to share our true feelings because that's yeah. that's when it helps, you know? Yeah, and that's so much a part of what you're talking about, that shared humanity. I think one thing I really appreciate about you and Devin um, is that you're both you're so vulnerable with your stories and what's going on in your life and your mental health. And like you said, even just that action, that sharing, um, that vulnerability, uh, creating that space for other people to step into your story, that is a form of action, right? And of, of social justice because you're, uh, you're changing the narrative. Definitely. And I really, so I, you know, I just want to speak briefly on two. Um, I've been doing a lot of things with the running community. Uh, and and that's where I like kind of be- have become an activist and mm-hmm. I have a run for justice annually. And that's actually where I allowed my friend Wally to speak about Keith Lamar. And that was the yeah. first time I learned about him. And it's just so interesting to me that sometimes when we take these like walks of faith and kind of do something to bring awareness to like for for me the run was like focused on justice for those who have been victims of police brutality like making yeah. it in honor of my cousin Eric and other people and this year we started in Gowanus which is where my family is from and you know when I was 13 years old Nicholas Hayward Jr. uh, was also 13 years old in 1994. And he was brutally, well, he was shot by police in a stairwell, you know, because he was Mm -hmm. playing with a toy gun. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it just, I wanted to make sure I also kept his name alive. And we had over 400 people come out that day. And I feel like probably 380 didn't know about Nicholas Hayward Jr., you know? Yeah. And his father fought so hard, um, you know, not only for Nicholas's case, but for all injustices that were happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was like really the first like in-person activist that I saw because 
he pretty much shifted his whole life, yeah. you know, to doing that work. And uh, he passed away last year. Um, rest in peace, Nicholas Sr. Mm. But, you know, it kind of gave me an example to look at of what you should, like what steps you should take if you really mm. want to create a change. Because he yeah. created a space in that neighborhood for us to play basketball. And it was wow. a Nicholas Hayward Jr. tournament in wow. his name. And, you know, it was just a safe place for us kids to play, you know, compete and have fun as a community. Mm. And that's really what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to figure out my best way to engage communities, especially through running, because yeah. I'm a big advocate of on like running can be a tool that can be used for therapy. You know, yeah. like it's very therapeutic. It releases a lot. And also what I'm trying to create awareness is to there's too many food deserts out here, yes. um, you know, where like you can go. Sometimes I go on my runs through East New York and Brownsville area and I can run like four to six miles and not see one healthy option, yeah. you know, yeah. on my route. Right. And I just think that, you know, everybody should be able to access good food, Absolutely. you know, and healthy yeah. options. Because we don't think about it, but especially in low-income areas, it creates just another hurdle when you're not, yeah. you know, eating right. Like if you're starting your day off with something that is like just has a lot of sugar right. or things that, you know, are like on the lower scale financially, you know, it's just, especially like kids, you know, I work yeah. with kids so I can yeah. see the difference in, you know, someone that has access to fruits and vegetables yeah. and, so, and know, better food, just, better um, quality those food. Those are like some of the key compared things that to I'm someone that's, on. you know, and their I'm, grocery store just doesn't have that stuff that I'm about to launch yeah, with a high school yeah, friend of mine uh, that we've been working on. And we want to make it accessible to people that like need help in understanding finances. Because, you know, we believe that the more you're taught these tools that can help and starting with just basic saving, you know, and, and then talking about how you're spending, because some people do make uh, enough money where if they save some, they can maybe make some investments or, you know, just be in a position like, like on a day like today, like what we yeah. call a rainy day, right? You know, just yeah. To, yeah. to have access to some funds because, I mean, even during times like this, you know, it's uh, a lot of people have lost jobs and, you know, sometimes I think we are programmed to just be consumers and spend, spend, spend every dollar that we have. But I think we have more power when we actually understand, you know, what we're spending on. Yeah. Because yeah. some some things are more important. It's like me, I've 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 shifted to being a lot more mindful of what mm -hmm. I spend on. I used to be a big sneakerhead. You'll still catch me with some nice kicks yeah. on my yeah. feet, but, <laughs> but um, you know, like I've I've transitioned that. And what I've been doing now is, I I've been giving a lot of the sneakers that I have away to people that are in need. Mm. Nice. you know, and, and making use of it that way. And I'm going to, I'm going to put more initiatives even into the brand that I have, the J soul yeah, brand, which yeah. is the, the soul is stands for spreading out love equally. 
And one, the reason I chose that is because, so, you know, my name is Jason, so that's why it's the J. And then I'm a big J. Cole fan. Yeah, I Uh, love J. Cole. Yeah. (laughs) So that's, and then, you know, like, because of my love for sneakers and running, like, soul, S-O-L-E, just fit right. And, uh, you know, I had inspiration by this, this signature J. Cole did. Um, with one of his short albums that he had. Uh, and I kind of designed my logo around that signature and made it Jay soul. Yeah. Um, but I believe that like spreading out love equally also has to do with like spreading out resources equally. Yes. Yeah. You know, and I think that the more we get into the mindset of spreading out the resources that we all have equally, I think the better that the world will be for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Because I know like even in the running world and that's why I'm like really staying on like kind of holding people accountable, you know, Mm. because I never thought about it, but it is like a privilege to have like three hours in your day where you can go run. Yeah. You know, for sure. And some people don't have that, that are like working two to three jobs just to, you know, feed their family. And I had to really kind of digest that and say like, you know, this is, we're a group of people. Like, obviously we have time because of other things that are going on in our life, you know? And I feel like if I can tap into that world and help us spread a lot of the resources that we have, you know, that it, it would just benefit so many people. And, and the biggest thing I want to do is, is start programs with youth in areas that are just not getting the kind of quality that they deserve, you know? Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, even like you're saying, I mean, even, even if you just think about running, right? Like running requires time. It also requires a safe place. Like you can't really be running around. Definitely not where I live. People are not running around. Um, you have to have like the equipment. So, you know, the right sneakers, running clothes, like there's a lot that sometimes we don't think about in these simple activities. And so I think that's wonderful, like thinking about starting that, um, particularly in communities where those resources may not be available. Definitely. And, you know, one thing I did recently too, I'm, I'm, you might've saw, I did a trail run, uh, with the group. Um, Old Man Run Club, which uh, is is led by some of my friends, my boy Dao Yi, who uh, I met through working with his son at my school. Um, like he started that with a couple of friends, and then they kind of teamed up with uh, this coach from Nike, Coach Jess, and she took a group out there because um, the HBCU uh, schools have an initiative like to get people more outdoors, like an outdoor initiative, you know? And one of the things she spoke on is that they're doing is just trying to get, like, provide some of that gear to people, Mm, you know, that they would need, like, trail shoes, you know, some of the gear that you would need being on a trail or a hike. And I think that um, that's really what it's about, like, creating these entry points, you know? Because I was having a really hard week and I went on that run. And I tell you, when we got to the top, (laughs) 
of that mountain, I was like, I my whole mind shifted, you know. Yeah, yeah. And and I was just at peace, and it was like all the negativity that mm-hmm. I had from that week, yeah. kind of just was taken away by Absolutely. like all that nature that I was embracing, that yeah. air I was breathing, oh. and. I really want to get kids that are, especially now, like just think about how many kids that live in maybe a housing complex Mm -hmm. that, you know, are like 15 floor buildings with so many apartments in them and they have nowhere to go. Or even during the pandemic, they had nowhere to go. Yes. It's a huge thing. I I used to um, coach a girls running team in the South Bronx for girls on the run. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. And we used to do, we just used to use like the playground because that was really the only place that we could practice. And there was a day where there was like a shootout. And so we we had to move them inside. So just even, yeah, finding that, it was so hard to even just find a place for them to be able to do that. Um, But yeah, yeah, it's it's just, it's difficult. Yeah, so... You know, and, and, and those kind of things are like, like I, I think we don't highlight that enough, but just think about that, what you just mentioned, and think about the mm-hmm. trauma that lies yes. within that, yes. you know? And especially when in certain neighborhoods, like, you know, that could become more normalized than it should yeah. be. Yeah, it was super know? normal. Yeah, trust me, I know, because I, I actually work, you know, somewhere where, like, it's been situations like that. You know, and it's just scary, you know, that, you know, especially like myself, right? Like I come to this community, I work every day and to know and hear of some of the things that continuously go on, it's just heartbreaking, you know? Yeah. How do you feel like your own sense of spirituality has helped um, in the season of life, uh, with like your own history like how does that come into the picture for you i mean to be honest i feel like that's where i've had my shift you know i've just uh yeah i've had so much faith lately Mm. and you know i just i kind of have been allowing myself to try to go to a different place and I'm saying that is by like, I've had phases in my life, you know, where I feel like I've been caught up on so many of the wrong things, mm. you know, and a lot of that has to do with like material and just like kind of trying to chase something that I, I honestly don't believe is there, you know, yeah. yeah, and I'm learning that less is more, you know, and sometimes we're you know, you have to really find yourself before you can really be a help to others. Mm, yeah. And and I think that during this time, especially like when I was, I was spending, so my daughter lives in New Jersey. Yeah. So I live by myself. And for the first time, it was like I was forced to spend a lot of time with just myself, you know, during this pandemic. And I think that one thing that, I've been trying to do a lot (laughs) and this is more of um, like the Buddhist practice and it's focused on like just being able to stare at the wall, you know, 
And I, I really didn't get like what that meant, you know, like what it meant to just stare at a wall. Cause you know, I feel like I can, I can look at a wall and pretend like that's all I'm doing, but I know my mind is still racing, you know, a lot of things. And I think the, the most peaceful place we can be is when we're able to just stare at that wall and just not think about anything. And even if you just get like 10 seconds of that, you know, it, it's, it's, it just has such a positive effect. And it, again, like going back to what Keith tells me about meditation, yeah. it just slows things down, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, there, and that's yeah. what I'm, I'm learning to do. You know, I'm learning to slow things down in my mind. I'm learning to slow things down in real life, you know, and, and just being more in touch with my spiritual being yeah. because I do believe that, you know, we all have so much to give spiritually, you know, and, and so much that lives in our soul. And I think that when you're battling, especially with your mind, on a daily yes. basis, yeah. it's like you could portray whatever you want, like via Instagram, whatever, you know, but we're becoming a society that, and I read, I saw something recently and I, uh, it really resonated me with me, but um, it was, it said something like, you know, we're a generation of like happy images, but yeah. like, but sad, like, sad insides, you yeah, know? Yeah. <laughs> and I just feel like, you know, we're at a place where so many people are okay with pretending that they're living a life that they're not. Mm. And, you know, I, I feel bad that people feel that they have to do that. Yeah. Because I actually think we learn more from the hard times, yeah. you know? And I think we need to embrace those times and embrace, you know, being vulnerable and being able to share some of the tougher moments because it's funny. I was even watching. Uh, so Devin and I are also Laker fans. So we, yeah. um, you know, we just won a championship. And yeah. it's funny for the first time in a long time, like I had no feeling about sports, you know. Mm. And I say that because. What I'm learning, like, why do we place so much value on winning all the time? Yeah. You know? And I think that's a reflection of us, like, like sports make us kind of want to just show these images of winning, you know, mm. per se. And yeah. I think that that's the problem. Like, because what I do when I coach, I, I coach basketball. Um, I used to coach at our middle school uh, most recently. But what I always would tell my students that played for me was, you might become a better basketball player by the end of this year. Mm. But one thing I could guarantee you is, I'm going to push you to be a better person. Yes. You know? Yeah. And I'm not going to put value on the wins and losses that we have because, you know what? And I think this should be focused on more in sports. Yeah. But the reality is, I can win the championship this year. But by next year, when somebody else wins the championship, nobody remembers that anyway, mm, you know? That's a very good point. 
Yeah. So it's more about like understanding that it's about that building that you do within that team and, you know, what, just making sure that you work your hardest. But to me, working your hardest as a team is a win, you know? Yeah. Like, even if you lose every game, if you left it all out there and you know that you played your hardest, like, it's still, you're still winning. So I think, like, our society needs to adapt more of that. Yeah. Well, and that's so much of what the spiritual path is about, right? Like, I think America is so outcome-focused and we as people can be really outcome-focused or, like, when are we going to get to the end? But the spiritual path is so much about really the process and like what happens between now and wherever it is that we're going and like you said that ending that win whatever that doesn't matter so much so much but what happens in the in-between is really where that growth and and transformation takes place definitely and that's uh i think spiritually that's what i've been in search of you know like that true growth because i Mm. think even yeah well and you're so good at that too like you're Instagram like you I know you talk about people who are are portraying this happiness but you're so good about being vulnerable and just kind of sharing what it is that you're experiencing on the real like you don't hide anything which I really appreciate about you (laughs) yeah thank you and I I think that you know I get a lot of that from my dad Um, and he has this he has this saying that I used to hate as a kid like I it really would bother me but he would always say what's in the dark will come to the light, you know, and and that's been one of the biggest things that's like really resonated with me because mm. I think we all need to realize that, that, you know, no matter what, like that darkness will come to the light in one way or another. And sometimes, you know, what's sad about that. We bottle all these emotions up mm. and what happens is you kind of lose it mm. in a moment, you know. And then it's like you explode. And I feel like some people make a choice that could change their whole life from holding everything inside, you know? Mm -hmm. And one thing that I've really been working hard with my daughter on and sharing with her is like, what I want her to do is to make sure that she lives her life exactly the way she wants to, you know? Like, I don't want her to just try to please me or her mom And I told her, I was like, you know, if you can live with the choices that you make, I will support you, you know, but don't, but try your best not to make choices that you know inside you can't live with. Because for years, I feel, I feel like I tried to make choices that would like please some of my family members or my parents, you know, and what I realized is we all are given a life that we have to walk it in our own path, you know? Mm, And mm. some people might judge you on choices you make, but the reality is what's inside of you is really telling you what you're okay with, you know? And I think that I've been trying so hard to let her know that no matter what, you know, be true to yourself because that's all I've been seeking lately. And it's sad because, you know, I've lost some people as far as like people that were close to me and me just speaking my truth, I think has like turned them away because they they might not be ready to seek their truth. Right. You know? Yeah. yeah. 
And, uh, and that's okay. Yeah. It is. It is. And <laughs> and I'm hoping that, you know, those people, because some of them are important to me, and I'm hoping that we can get to a place where we circle back, you know. Yes. But at the yeah. same time, I know that my growth has a lot to do with the people I surround myself around. And if mm-hmm. they're not at a place where they're seeking that same truth, I think it's just counterproductive for both of us, you know? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Well, I did want to ask you, like, is there anything that you would like to shout out? Like, I know we were talking about Keith, you were talking about uh, your clothing line, anything that you would love to um, just share with people for them to be able to look up? Um, definitely, you know, I think people should go to www.keithlamar.com just to do their research on Keith, because I feel like once you know what he's going through, you know, like it's hard not to want to support him. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I would just urge anybody if they could also like share some of that with, you know, uh, anyone in their circle just to, because I think that the thing I want to highlight about that situation is, you know, I'm doing my best for Keith, but at the same time, there are so many other stories out here, you know, mm-hmm. that where people have been railroaded or just, it's, it's so many injustices within the judicial system in so many ways, because you can even talk about like, how money plays a part in it too. There are some, like we just saw it with the lady that uh, was on full house, you know, and like the slap on the wrist that she got, you know, and, and these things are real. And I think that, you know, along with that is, I know a lot of people are putting a lot of emphasis on this vote that we have coming up. And I'm not saying that we don't need to vote, you know, who out. You know, but at the same time, I want, I don't want people to get too caught up in a vote. I want people to say to themselves, like, what can I do on a daily basis that could change this world? Yeah. Because yeah. I, I feel like, you know, it, it's sad, but we have a system that has failed us for a lot of years. And especially being a mm-hmm. black man, yeah, like it's a system that's been incredibly unfair to myself and other people that look like me and I just want to make sure that we're not just putting all this emphasis on one person to change this. You know, this is a whole system that I truly believe needs to be broken down, you know, and built back up so everybody could be treated equally. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I have my my website will be coming out soon so people can follow me on J-A-Y-F-U-F. 15 okay. um, on Instagram. And, uh, but I got a lot of cool stuff coming out. And yeah. um, my financial literacy website is also, I'll have information on that on my Instagram. We're almost ready to launch that website. Mm. Um, and also, I would just, anybody that, you know, is out there and wants to connect, try to look me up so we could do some work together. I'm looking to just work with like minded people that are looking to create the change and not just talk about it, but be about it. Mm, yes, for sure. Well, that's definitely what you are just in, you know, your everyday life. And I'm so grateful to have gotten to know you um, through many different things. And I'm excited to see what happens in your life and the impact that you have on the world. Cause I know for sure 
uh, you already have had a huge impact on a lot of different people um, using your gifts and the things that you're just naturally inclined towards. You have created such amazing communities and spaces for people to be able to open up and be their authentic self. So I really, I thank you for that and for taking the time today to just to be on here with me. Thank you so much, my friend. And I'm just, uh, I'm very thankful for us connecting and, you know, you really support what we're doing, especially with unreeling storytelling. And I'm just, I'm looking forward to us continuing to build a friendship and and create more change because I know that we're capable of doing it together. For sure. Thanks so much, Jason. I hope you have a great, wonderful rest of your rainy Friday. Yes, you do the same, my friend. All right, take care. All right, you too. Open Hands is produced, hosted, and edited by Sarah Nickerson. Theme music is by Sleeping at Last. You can find Open Hands on Instagram at Open Hands Podcast. Thanks so much for listening, and be well.